0: Good morning, Central. Who's excited to be alive today? Come on, let's wake it up. Let's wake it up. It's funny, we were just singing a song. God, come awaken your city, come awaken your people. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Tell somebody, wake up. It's going to be a good one. I know it's cold and gray if you're here in Michigan. You know that if you're watching from around the world. It's cold and gray here, so it's a little little sluggish start to the Sunday. But I think God's already moving and working. it. if you're new here, my name's Corey, like uh, Pastor Lynn said. One of the guys that just gets to serve and lead. And we are in a series called Rhythm. Everybody say Rhythm on the count of three. One, two, three. Rhythm. Nice, you got rhythm, you got that, I appreciate it. Last week, Pastor Mike kicked us off talking about the righteous routine, the rhythm of prayer. And here's the idea of this series. If we can take a hold of some healthy routine, some righteous rhythms at the beginning of 2023, then maybe this could be our best year ever. Personally, as a couple, as a family, as a church, as a community, I think healthy rhythms, righteous rhythms can Truly change the trajectory of our lives, and and what we're gonna start in the month, at the end of this month and rolling into February and Easter, we're gonna do a deep dive, like scriptural deep dive into First and Second Timothy. And, and Pastor Craig has written a devotional guide to go along with every single chapter through First and Second. Like we're digging head for anybody love the Bible, anybody love Scripture, yeah. Uh, so we're going to be like, I love this church because we do like exegetical studies. We do topical studies. It depends on the season, but we're about to go in. But to really get the most out of this series that we're going to be launching in a couple of weeks and diving into First and Second Timothy, it's important that we have healthy rhythms. So that way, uh, when we come to church, it's not just content, 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 right? We talked at Christmas that faith is content with contact. It's not enough to know about Jesus. You have to know him and be known by him. You can know all the stats about LeBron James, but you stroll up to the Lakers arena and go, yo, LBJ, let me in. He's going to go, who are you? Because what gets you access is if he knows you, if you spend time with him. And so what we want to do with these rhythms is kind of educate our souls on how we spend time with God so that the content meets contact and it actually turns into faith. So with that being said, we're in week two uh, of Rhythms and it got me thinking uh, about this here contraption. Um, This is actually how I got my start in ministry. Um, When I was like five or six years old, saved up enough money to buy my first drum set, um, beat it, played it. You know, by the way, anybody, a parent, had a kid like try and play an instrument? Anybody? Any instrument you are blessed and highly favored in Jesus' name, like you're gonna have a mansion in heaven. Because anybody that's been around, it could be violin, saxophone, guitar, drums, any parent that wants their kid to learn an instrument, those first few days, weeks, months, years are painful. <laughs> Amen. I remember I got my first 1964 Ludwig kit. I was like six, seven years old. And all you do when you first get a drum set, excuse me, but this is a biblical instrument. It was in the Old and New Testament. So I'm just being biblical here. But all I did is like, right, I look like Animal from the Muppets. And uh, because it's just noise, right? It's just noise. But then later you learn, Alec, if you're around or if you're watching in the back, like you, you learn as a drummer, what we call four on the floor, which is just your regular rhythm, just... Right? And then for some reason, every other drummer, like we all do this. Every drummer, that's the second beat you ever learn. And then what you realize really quick is all rhythm is, is noise with rest. All all rhythm is, is tempo. Where we make noise, but with intentional rest. That's how we. Those of you musicians in the house, you, you'll agree with this. Those of you aren't, it may go right over your head. But when you read music, you have notes. So you have a whole note: one, two, three, four. Half note: one, two, three. Quarter: one, two, three, four, eight, one one and two and three and four and triplets. Da 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 da. Sixteenth notes: one and a two and a three and a four and a thirty-second notes. Right? All that is. Some of you are like, "What's happening?" Right? You musicians, you're like, I like this church. This is this is my message. All that's happening there is we're creating rhythm with tempo and rest, with with noise. And rested. And I grew up um, playing in church in middle school and high school. In high school, I got to tour. I got to play a bunch of festivals around the country. In college, I went to University of Florida and I I left my little Southern Baptist church and I rolled up on a church called Greenhouse. And Greenhouse Church was AG, Assemblies of God. And I rolled in and it was the most diverse church I'd ever been a part of to that point. I walked in and it was like a third white, a third like African-American black or Caribbean-American black. And, And then it was a third like Asian or Latino. And I loved it. It looked like heaven, every tribe, nation, and tongue, right? So I love our Water's Edge family, when we all get together, just people from all around the world. Sounds better that way with diversity. There is no harmony without diversity. And anyway, so like stepped in there, and and like my second Sunday there, like I've always been taught, like if you're a part of a church, serve. That was just ingrained in me. And so I remember I went up to George Dumain, uh, this Haitian guy. He was the worship leader. And I just walked up to him, and I said, hey, man, you don't know me. My name's Corey. Um, I grew up playing drums in church and I make videos. If either one of those can be helpful, I'm here. If not, I'm still here. I don't know if you know, like God changed my life through that conversation. George became one of my biggest mentors and one of the guys that discipled me more than ever in life. We went on to put on ministry events with over three, four thousand unsaved students at the University of Florida. Like God, all from a conversation at church, just saying, hey, I'm willing to serve. Many of you may have walked in here today and you're like, man, I want community. I want God to move in my life. Often it just comes by going to the info desk or coming up to Travis or somebody and just going like, hey, here's what I'm good at. Can you all use it? Maybe not. But sometimes when we just bring our time, talents and treasure and offer them to God, that's when God moves in our lives. And for me, George was like, bet. So he showed up at my house two weeks later for a tryout I had a drum set. So he comes and I grew up playing, you know, in, in churches so I can bust out the Hill song. I can bust out the Chris Tomlin and Michael W. Smith. But this church wasn't one of those churches. Um, I grew up in a white church. Let me just put it plain. Like I grew up in a white church playing CCM, Travis, and a greenhouse church was not that. It was very diverse. So he, he passed me through and he was like, okay, you're on next Sunday. And he sent me the set list. And the set list was Hosanna by Hillsong. Y'all know that one, right? That's how Hosanna starts. I was like, oh, I'm going to tear this up. They don't even know. And then the next song was How Great Is Our God by Chris Tomlin. I was like, oh, come on. That's so easy, right? It's super simple. And then the next song was by this artist Israel Houghton and the new breed. See, one of you knew. (laughs) And it was called All Around. And then the fourth song was this song called Blessed by Fred Hammond. Anybody know who Israel Houghton and Fred Hammond are? My people. Amen. They are gospel artists. Let's just, I'll put it plain, like growing up playing drums in white church ain't quite the same as growing up playing drums in a gospel church. And all of a sudden I got a steep education in music. And I showed up that Sunday, and I was ready to rock. I, I memorized the songs, and, and, and Blessed by Fred Hammond had a bunch of upbeats, and we never hit and crashed on upbeats and CCM. We crashed on downbeats. And so I had to learn upbeats, and then all around was like a Calypso beat. So it was like. And I, like, we didn't play that in White Church. I was like, what are we doing? And so I, I memorized them, and I got ready. And I show up and I start to play a rehearsal. And man, I'm giving it my all. Like we get, we play the first song, we get to the third song and I'm, I'm doing the most. Just filling up all the space. Like, let's go. I got this. And I'll never forget George stopped the whole band. And he came over to me. And he's like, hey, man, you okay? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, dude. Like I, I practiced really hard on this. And he's like, yeah, we can tell. Um, and he's like, but hey, you, you don't have to do that much. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, you can stop from time to time. (laughs) Pull back. You know, like right here, instead of you soloing, maybe let the piano, maybe let the guitar. And he said this. He goes, Corey, we all know you're good. Like he, he goes, we know you can play, but to be a mature musician, you have to know when to stop. And then it hit me. Like musicianship, like life, maturity is often shown in not how much you can do, but knowing when to rest, knowing when to stop. Some of the best bands in the world have some of the best musicians and they play the simplest music because maturity is discipline. Discipline is knowing when to stop, when to rest. And did you know the rhythm of rest existed at the very beginning of creation? The title of my message today is The Rhythm of Rest. And let me just ask this question to start Are you rested? Are you rested? Do you feel rested? Did you know rest is a command in Scripture? Do you know rest was implemented and modeled by God himself? In Genesis chapter 1, y'all know the creation story, right? Genesis chapter 1 is a poem. It's like a song that tells us in six days God created the earth. And it tells us how he created and what he did. And the point of Genesis chapter 1 was for all of humanity, humanity to know that God loves you a lot. That's the point of Genesis 1. God created all of this to be with you and to be with me. And in Genesis chapter 1, like you can read it, but I don't necessarily read Genesis chapter 1. I hear it. Because I don't know if you know this, but but Genesis 1, the rhythm of creation, the rhythm of rest actually sounds like this. The Bible teaches us, Genesis chapter 2, it says that God, on the seventh day, he rested. After he worked, he rested. We can throw that scripture up there in Genesis chapter 2. Yes. Can y'all give a hand to our tech team? They're amazing, by the way. But it reads, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. That he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The rhythm of creation. One, two, three, five, six rest. That's the righteous rhythm that God implemented into the very foundation of creation. One. Two, three, four, five, six, rest. One, two, three, four, five, six, rest. Work, 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 rest. That is the righteous rhythm of creation. And it's funny, in today's day and time, statistically speaking, I did a little research coming into this weekend, and statistically speaking, in North America, there has never been a safer time to be a human. Now, I know that sounds crazy because we watch the news and the news is like bad, 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 danger, violence. Ah. Why? Because radiance. It's like you, everybody rubbernecks at a car wreck. Nobody stops and looks like a car parked on the side of the road. They all look at the wreck. That's the same thing when it comes to media. We're all fascinated with the wreck. That's why the algorithm in your Facebook profile, if you look at one thing negative, it'll get more and more and more and more negative. Because that's what we focus on. But actually, statistically speaking, humanity, especially young people, have never been safer before in the history of the world. But at the same time, stress, anxiety, depression, and suicide are at an all-time high. Why is it that we've never been safer, but we don't feel like it? Why is it that we've never been safer and had more affluence, speaking here in North America, but stress, anxiety, depression, and suicide is an all-time high? Could it be because if you don't break, you will break? Could it be that the rhythm of rest was implemented at the foundation of creation and the created is no longer implementing our mode of operation into our daily lives? Even this morning when I said how many of us feel rested, a lot of us are like, bro, I barely made it here. (laughs) Like... Still got sleep in our eyes. It's funny because I think every year we kind of need something different from the Lord. Like last year in 2022, we started the year off by saying go to right out of Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount or right out of the Sermon on the Monarchy. And this idea that we are the best representation of the gospel when we literally lay our lives and preferences down and go to and go above and beyond for those that need to see the love of Jesus in our lives and in their lives. Because I felt like out of 2021, a lot of us were coming out lazy and lethargic because we needed to get back to work. And so 2022 was go too. But after a year of go, 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 for many of us, 2023, we may need to remind ourselves of the rhythm of rest. And so very quickly, I am going to do an exegetical study of the principle of rest all throughout the Old Testament in about four minutes. Y'all ready? Yeah. Woo, here we go. Y'all thought I'd talk fast a second ago. Here, we're going to rock it. Where does this come from? So we already said in Genesis chapter 2, God modeled it for us. Side note, you got to stop and ask the question, why would an all-sufficient, all-powerful God rest? Is it because he needs to? No. God did not rest on the seventh day because he needed to. He rested on the seventh day because we need to. And he modeled for us the healthy rhythm that we should deploy in our lives. Work, 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 rest. Work six days. Give it your all. Rest Enjoy, delight on the seventh day. So he modeled it for humanity, and then he created humanity, and then he told them about it, and then they're off to the races. And guess what? We messed it up. We sinned. We thought we didn't need to do it. There was a lot of other areas where we sinned, and we messed up. And you fast forward. Eventually, you know, God makes this a command. But before he makes it a command, he reiterates the principle. In the book of Exodus, this is really where this idea, this rhythm of rest comes into play. Because a lot of you grew up in church and you don't know why we do this. You don't know why we gather together and take a Sunday off. This is why. You're going to learn that today. In Exodus, y'all know the story of Exodus. The nation of Israel is enslaved, a.k.a. no rest. Slaves don't get to rest. So for decades and generations, they were robbed of their right to rest in God. Side note, you know you may be a slave to something if you aren't getting the rest you need. I'm going to say that again. If we don't feel rested, it's because we feel like we got to do something for some reason. And I would say an easy litmus to maybe you're a slave to work, success, money, influence, others, people pleasing. If we are struggling to get rest, it may be because we're stepping back into bondage and slavery that God has set us free from. Amen. All right, here we go. And so the nation of Israel was enslaved. And then Moses comes and he emancipates the nation of Israel. Let my people go. We've all seen the Charleston Heston movie or Prince of Egypt or whatever. And then they come to the Red Sea. And what happens? They can't go nowhere. They're all going to die. Literally, if you were a nation of Israel, if you were an Israelite, one of the Jews in the nation of Israel, and you come to the Red Sea, you're looking at Moses and you're like, where's the boat at? Right? Because the nation of Egypt, the Egyptian army starts coming at them. And so if you're in the Israelite nation, you're going, I need a boat or I need a spear. One of the two, Moses, what you got? And he's like, I got a stick. And you're like, that's not going to help. Right? And this is the situation they found themselves in. We are all going to die. This is dumb. We're all going to die. Why did you bring us here, Moses? And what does God do? God parts the Red Sea. The nation of Israel crosses over on dry ground. Then the waters close in on the Egyptian army. And the first thing you can read it in Exodus, the first thing God tells his people to do is to stop and rest. He says, rest. Why? I want you to remember what just happened. That you needed to be saved And there was nothing you could do, but I moved and worked, and your salvation did not come by your works, but rather by the hand of God. That's why they rested. To remember, our salvation does not come from how much we work, but rather by the hand of God. And then God was like, okay, y'all got it now. You're gonna rest, we're gonna implement this rhythm of rest. And so what he did, he was like the nation of Israel, they were like children. They, they got out and they saw miracles. And then like a week goes by and they're like, we're hungry. And God's just like, come on. And, and he sends manna and he sends quail. Y'all know this. If you grew up in church, manna and all that, right. But there was a command that came with it. In Exodus chapter 16, God says, hey, I'm going to give you manna in the morning and quail at night. Go out and collect it. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. Don't collect more than you need. I'll provide more the next day. But on the sixth day, I want you to collect twice as much so that on the seventh day, you can rest. And when he said rest, do you know what he meant? He meant, I don't want you to have to cook. I don't want you to have to clean. All I want you to do is get around the people you like and love. I want you to eat. I want you to sing. I want you to dance. I want you to laugh. I want you to think and remember what I've done for you. And I want you to be rejuvenated and restored. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Doesn't that sound awesome? Like we serve a God that didn't say it's about how much you can sacrifice and do for me. We serve a God that said, I love you so much. I will model for you that I just want you to chill sometimes. Because if you don't take a break, you will break. It's in our design. God wants us to stop. But guess what the nation of Israel did? They didn't stop. It said they went out and they collected more than they needed. And then on the seventh day, they went out and there was no food. And they looked for the—and God was like, why don't you trust me? And so then in Exodus chapter 20, we get the Ten Commandments. And guess what one of the commandments is? Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So when they wouldn't listen, Because it was what's best for them, God made it a command. And isn't it funny that like nine out of the ten commands have to do with morality? But this one has to do with mentality and sustainability. Like nine out of the ten commands are moral. And this one is just about God going, you need to rest or you'll die. (laughs) Trust me, I know. I created you. But we find ourselves in a world where many of us have mistaken busyness for productivity. And many of us have mistaken speed for efficiency. And it don't matter if we're just doing a lot. What matters is the impact and fruitfulness of what we're doing. And often it's deploying the righteous rhythm at rest that will give us the rest we need, the redemptive restorative rest to do what we do well with efficiency and productivity. But some of us are just spinning our wheels in life. Just go, 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 go. And we're like the Israelites. It said the Israelites didn't trust God. They went out there and did that. Why didn't the Israelites rest? Two reasons. And I believe, you can tell me I'm wrong, but I believe it's the same two reasons that we don't rest today. Number one, anxiety. The nation of Israel was like, but what if God doesn't bring food tomorrow? I'll just get a little bit more just in case God doesn't come through with his promise. What if God doesn't do it? What if there's there's not enough on the sixth day? What if he doesn't, in two weeks it all stops? I I need to do a little bit. What if, what if, what What if is anxiety? Most of our anxiety, stress, all that. You can trace it back to this idea of what if God doesn't say, do what he's going to do? What if God doesn't do what he says he's going to do? It's anxiety. And then the other reason why they didn't rest is pride or ego. I don't need God. I take care of my own self. I'm a man, right? Hustle hard, on the grind every day. You know, keep what you kill. I make my, you watch Instagram right now. It's just entrepreneur after entrepreneur. Just Gary Vee being like, work yourself to the boat every day. If you're not up at four and if you're not going to bed at 3 a.m., then you're not working hard enough. And it's like, <laughs> Jesus, right? And the prophet Brianna had it right. Work, 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 work. Anyway. Some of you are like, dude, that's like 10 years old. But I think we are a lot like the nation of Israel, where we don't actually take God up on his command to rest in that righteous rhythm of rest. Because many of us doubt, well, if, I, if I don't work, I'm not going to get paid. If I, I can do it. I don't, I don't need God. I can take care of it. God, no, no, you don't have to worry about me. I got it. I got it. Anxiety and pride. And so God instituted this. But did you catch the words he used to describe the Sabbath? By the way, everybody say Shabbat on the count of three. One, two, three. Shabbat Shabbat was the Hebrew word. So God said, I'm going to give you a Shabbat. That's where we get the word Sabbath. Shabbat, Sabbath, literally translates to stop. Cease. Don't do nothing. That's what it means. And he said, I'm going to bless you with a Shabbat, with a Sabbath, with a day of rest, and make it holy. Now, if you read the Bible, you know what those words mean. And that's a little weird. Those words are almost a little antithetical. They're kind of opposites. Because the word blessing means to give. When you give somebody something, you're blessing them. When God gave us Jesus, he blessed us with Jesus and salvation. Like, blessing means to give. To make something holy means to set it apart, to consecrate it, to take it out of circulation. So he's saying, I'm going to give to you by taking away. I am going to add to your life by subtracting. Because you think all you can do is work, work, work. you got to do it. you got to make it happen. And God says, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who provides. And I need you to regularly stop and remember that you're not in control. I am. And that's a good thing. And any of us that struggle with that, I didn't get to say this in the first service, but the second service I can preach for hours. That's why I love it. Some of you didn't laugh. You're like, you better not. I'm hungry. But, but many of us struggle with rest. Like, no, but God, I need, we, I need to work. I need to make money. I got to study. I got to do this. But do you know, like, it's implicit in your nature to rest? Like, I feel like God, you know, like the sun comes up and then the moon comes up, Right? And it's as if God is going, it's okay, just lay down, it's fine, just, I got it, right? I know, you do it all, I know, right? And then what do we do? We go to sleep and have zero control over anything for hours. Any of us that in our pride think it's all about us and what we can do and what we can accomplish, just going to sleep at night reminds us, oh yeah, I can sleep because you don't, God. The world keeps spinning and I can rest. Sleep in and of itself is a testament to God being in control. And it kind of raises that question, why didn't they rest anxiety and and pride? But do you know like rest is an act of faith? You know to stop is actually an act of faith. Because what are you doing when you don't work? What are you doing when you stop and enjoy your family? What are you doing when you come around God's word together? What are you doing when you rest? You're saying, God, I trust you. It's not all about me and what I can accomplish. I trust you. I trust you enough to enjoy you. I trust you enough to stop and enjoy your creation. Rest is an act of faith. And so then fast forward, it raises the question. People that grew up in church, you may know the answer to this. Is the Sabbath still a rule? Is the Shabbat still a rule? Well, all of us sitting here today should know the answer to that because this is not Saturday. The Sabbath was on Saturday. The holy day was Friday sundown. To Saturday sundown, that was the Shabbat. That was the Sabbath. The Jewish people, ever since that moment crossing the Red Sea, they were like, oh, yeah, let's do what God did in Genesis. Let's stop. Let's honor the commandment. And we will work hard six days. We will give it our all. And then on the seventh day, we will rest. We will Shabbat. And it was a command. And so then it raises the question, why don't we do that anymore? Or why do we do it on a Sunday? Or how did y'all ever ask those questions? Like, oh, have I been wrong this whole time? You know? Like, were we not, are we supposed to be Sabbath on, on Saturday? That's where Seventh-day Adventists come from. But, but to know what we need to do, you just got to understand a little bit of Scripture. The Old Testament, if you didn't grow up in church, I'll just break this down for you real quick. The Old Testament, like the first two-thirds of the Bible, that's the creation story. That's the story of the nation of Israel. Amen. Oh, is that me? Hey, Paul, we good? All right. That's a, He's like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, That's the creation story. That's the story of Israel. And, And what the Old Testament is, we call it the old covenant. I don't know if you know this. A covenant is a contract between two parties that cannot be broken without penalty. When you get married, it has nothing to do with the government recognizing a sheet of paper. It has everything to do with a covenant between you, your spouse, and God. It's a big deal, that word covenant. And so God comes to a guy named Abram and he says, you're going to be the father of many nations and your kids are going to be like the stars in the sky and through you, I will bless the entire world. And him and his wife were barren and at a hundred years old, they gave birth and he changed his name to Abraham. And out of Abraham, we got Isaac and Isaac, we got Jacob. And out of Jacob, we got the 12 tribes of um, Israel. And out of the 12 tribes, we had Judah. And in Judah, there was King David. And in King David's line came this man named Yeshua, who we call Jesus. And the promise to Abraham was that we will bless through your family. God will bless the entire world and the Savior, the Messiah, the second Adam will come and show you how to do it right. And in him will be your salvation. And sure enough, in Jesus was the culmination of the entire Old Testament, of the entire old covenant. That's why the Bible says that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but rather to fulfill it. But in Jesus, all the Levitical laws, all the Ten Commandments, everything that happened in the Old Testament, all the prophecies were all fulfilled. Amen. Some of you are like, you need to breathe, rest, Corey. But it was all fulfilled in Jesus. That's why we call the New Testament the New Covenant, because the Old Covenant, God fulfilled his promise. And so what does that mean? We don't throw away the laws and commands. We hold on to the principles. How do we know this? Because Jesus did not respect the Sabbath. If you read it, Jesus got in trouble with religious people, with church folk, with Pharisees over and over and over again. You can check it out in Mark chapter 2. I love this story. Jesus is walking through the grain fields with his disciples. And some people are following him. The Pharisees are following him. He's teaching. And then all of a sudden his disciples just grab some grain, smash it up in their hands, and they eat it. And it's the Sabbath. It's Saturday. And the Pharisees were like... No! Like they freaked out on Jesus. They were like, your disciples just took grain. That's harvesting. Harvesting is working. You can't work on the Sabbath. That's a sin. Jesus, why are your disciples sin? And you don't do anything about it. They were flipping out. Like you can't do this. And check out Jesus' response. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Let me break that down for you in layman's terms. I love this. He said, you're missing the point. (laughs) God gave you a day off for you. You were not given a day off for God. He loves you so much. He wanted you to relax for a day and regenerate and restore and rejuvenate your life and get ready for the next week. And you have made a blessing from God, a curse because of your rules and religion. And that will preach in almost any area of the church. As soon as it becomes about the rule and not the heart of the father towards his people, we have missed the point. Amen. We've said that a lot here. Praise God I still have a job because I come out pretty hard against that one. But. And then Jesus, did you catch what he said? He said, and the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Sometimes we wonder, like, why did they kill him? He just healed people and taught cool things. Do you know what he just said there? These were Pharisees. They knew the Torah. They knew the Old Covenant. They knew the Old Testament. In the book of Daniel, it said the Messiah, the Son of Man, will come, God in the flesh, to save the world. Jesus ripped a nickname from the prophet Daniel and called himself the Son of Man, which is to say, I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah. I am God in the flesh. And God is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. And if you're the Pharisees, you're like, you can't say that. You can't claim to be God unless you are, (laughs) which he was. And then Jesus did it again. There was this time he was walking through and there was this man with the withered hand. And it was kind of a setup from the religious folks. They were like, let's see if he's going to work. It was his disciples last time, but let's see if we can set Jesus up to sin to work on the Sabbath, to work a healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus knew their hearts. And he looked at him, and he was like, the Sabbath was all about freedom and restoration. And so that you know I am who I say I am. He looked at withered hand will and he said, stretch out your hand. And homeboy stretched out his hand. And the Pharisees were like, he can't keep doing that. Right? They were freaking out. And then he did it again. There was this lame guy that couldn't walk and it was a Sabbath and you're not supposed to work. And Jesus said, get on up, homeboy. And dude stood up and he worked a healing again. Jesus over and over and over again was trying to show them. It was never about the rule. It was about the heart of the Father. And so it's not about, oh, I rigidly have to keep this every seven days, but rather like the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, he says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or whether regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Did you catch what he said? The, all, the entire Old Covenant, all the laws, the Ten Commandments, they were all shadows. And many of us today were brought up so stringently on rules that we are holding and grasping and trying to hug the shadow. And Paul said, why are you hugging a shadow when the shadow caster is here? Why are you trying to grasp at the rules and regulations that were pointing to Jesus? He fulfilled all of them. Just love and follow Jesus and that stuff will take care of itself. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 14. One person esteem's one day as better than the other, while another esteem's all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. In other words, what Paul says is the rule of the sabbath. There's no more. But the rhythm of creation is still there. You were created, I was created. To work, 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 rest. That is a rhythm. And so the last couple moments I have, I just want to talk about like, what does that practically look like? As we look on 2023, like how do we act in faith and actually plan rest? Because how many of you know this? Rest is your responsibility. Anybody ever had, I mean, if you had a boss do this, he's a really good boss. By the way, Craig does this for some of us. But you ever have a boss come to you and go, you've been working way too hard. Here's two weeks off paid vacation outside of your vacation. You need some rest. Anybody ever have a boss do that? Stay at that job, right? (laughs) Why? Because we all believe that our rest, your rest is your responsibility. When you need rest, when you need a break, when you get tired, you'll take a break. But if you're wired like me, literally, this is the pot calling the kettle black. Anybody that knows me knows I am the worst at this. Usually, I preach what I need to practice, so that way I'll practice what I preach. So today, I'm starting this year off track. He's laughing because he knows my schedule. He's like, You hypocrite. <laughs> but genuinely, this year, like even at the beginning of this year, I'm trying to rest more. Well, why? Because there, there's rhythms in everything, right? Let, let's look at, let, let's take your year. Think about 2023 as a whole. Every industry, every career, every season of life has a rhythm to it, right? Students, you know, I got semester study, I got summer. And then we kick back up in the fall. Like if you're an athlete, you have preseason, season, offseason. What does that mean? Rest in the offseason. Preseason, work, 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 work. Get a peak physical condition. Season, execute at the highest level for as long as you can. Offseason, season, Rest why cuz the body needs to restore the body needs to develop in every in ministry we have rhythms and if you don't know the rhythms you will work yourself to death and i learned that the hard way but ministry and rhythms like we just came out of Christmas. Christmas, like all of December, all hands on deck. Don't take vacay. This is our Super Bowl. If you're working in a ministry, it's like playing for the Dallas Cowboys. You are gonna play on Thanksgiving. You're gonna play on the holiday. If you work in ministry, Christmas and Easter, it's game time, it's go time. So we go hard in December. Then we try and breathe a little bit in January. Then February is like a preseason, and we rev up to the biggest run in church history every year. The most visited time by guests is Easter to Mother's Day. That's about a four to six week run. Well, we're bam, bam, bam. I'm talking like creatively, weekend experience, kids ministry. Go, 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 go. And then in the summer, you try and rest. And then in the fall, you rev back up as people. And there's rhythms to every industry, to every career. But what happens if you're anything like me, Vivka? this was the mistake I made. I'm really passionate about preaching and creativity. And I love missions. Well, preaching and creativity, I just gave you the rhythm for that. But missions is the exact opposite. Everybody goes on mission trips in January and in the summer. So you know what happened to me? When I started in ministry, I was just, just here. And I'll tell you in a second what it really resulted in. But, but it behooves us this year, if, if rest is a rhythm that God himself practiced and instituted, does it not behoove us if our creator made his creation to operate like this, to stop and plan and take responsibility for our rest and go, okay, I got a bunch of conventions coming up. And I'm going to be traveling a lot for work, but I'm going to be home. So I'm going to take my son hunting or I'm going to go play basketball or me and my wife are going to do like twice the date nights in this time. And then we're going to look at the rhythm of your year. To find balance, you often just need to find the rhythm. And here's the deal. Some, some months, some weeks, you got to go. You got to work hard. Jesus did that. There were days where Jesus worked all day and then he worked through the night and then he worked the next day. But you know what he would do eventually? He would withdraw and rest. If Jesus needs rest, if God's rest, rested, we need rest. So that's a year. Think about like, um, think about like your day. Um, two things I would say when it comes to rest during your day. I had a leader tell me a while back, he said, Corey, split your day into thirds. So like 6 to 12, 12 to 6, 6 to 12. Or like, you know, what would it be? 8 to 12, 12 to 4, 4 to 12, whether you want 4 hours or 6 hours. And he said, work 2, rest 1. Work 2, have quality time with your family 1. And the reason that mattered is because some of us are blessed and we work at 9 to 5. That's like you're 2. And then you come home, hopefully you have quality time with your family, dinner, whatever. But in ministry, what often would happen is you guys are the ministry. And you have jobs. So what does that mean? When you want to meet, it's after 5 o'clock, right? I lead a church in Kingston, Jamaica. The entire volunteer team has full-time jobs other places. We don't pay them. And so when we meet, it's after 5. And so he would say, Corey, you're coming in from 9 to 5, and you're working, too, you're working really hard, and then you're going and having another meeting, and then a dinner meeting with someone. Else. You're putting in like 12, 16 hours a day. You're going to burn out. And so I would go, oh, if I have evening meetings, I'm going to go into work at 11. And that's not being lazy. That's being a good steward of your work. Some of you are like, I wish I had that flexibility. Don't tell Craig. Sometimes I can.'" Oh. Uh, <laughs> But it's learning a rhythm. Like when it comes to your day, one of my favorite things to do is to start my day with God in rest. It's to just take 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, talk to him, listen, maybe read some of his word, worship a little. And then I take the last little bit and I plan out my day. Usually, because you know what that temptation, you wake up in the morning and you're just like, ha, email, ha, text, ha, social media, ha, and all of a sudden you're just gone into the world, right? And then what happens? We don't actually rest. We take like these little five-minute breaks and look at social media, these little non-redemptive rests throughout our day, as opposed to actually getting real restorative, redemptive rest. One of the things I would encourage you, if you've never done it, try it for a few weeks. Wake up and it doesn't have to be like Instagram. You don't have to have the blanket and the cat and your favorite cup of coffee that says Hebrews <laughs> and like and Instagram it. Like it doesn't have to be that. Some of you got kids, you know, that's not even possible, right? But often if we'll start our day with intentional rest and restorative reflection on God and his word, doing what he told the nation of Israel to do, just stop and remember. It's like when we drive. Like when you come to a stop sign, what do they teach you in driver's ed? Left, right, left. Maybe even check your rear view for a second, then move forward. Imagine what would happen if we did that regularly. If on Sunday, when you when you rested in the afternoon, you just took a moment to yourself, and you looked left and right in life. You looked right in life. What's going on around me? You remembered how God's worked. And you go, okay, God, this feels like the direction you want me to go in. Let's go. That's why, you know, in 2020, they called it the great resignation. A lot of people quit their jobs because a lot of people stopped. And they had time to go, what am I doing? Is this what I want my life to be about? Rest will often result in reflection. I wrote it down like this in my life, in my notes in my life. In my notes, information without meditation leads to stagnation. So much of our lives are information, 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 information. Here, 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 news, uh, social media, Bible, uh, uh, sermon, 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 sermon. But information without meditation, the Bible says meditate on God's word. Information without meditation can lead to stagnation. You just get full and slow and stagnant. But I wrote it this way, information with meditation leads to transformation and even innovation. When we take in information and we stop, we go, God, how does that apply to my life? What does that look like? Information with meditation, then God can transform you by the renewing of your mind. And it actually leads to a better life, which is innovation. And it just goes back to the question, are you in tune with the righteous rhythm of rest? Are you rested? It kind of begs the question, you ever ask, like, why do we do it on Sundays? If the Old Testament and the Jewish law, the Sabbath, the Shabbat was on Saturdays, why do we do it on Sunday? This is a good one. I like this one. It's because there was a day of atonement, a Friday, where Jesus, the one the Old Testament was about, he went and died on the cross. It's day of atonement. Saturday was the Shabbat, the day of rest. So what happened? The Israelites all stopped. And they weren't working because Jesus was. And on Sunday, Jesus rose from the grave. And the Jewish followers were like, ah, he did it. He's the one. Oh, my God. Like they lost their minds. They gave their lives to it. They sold their houses and their homes and they gave it to everyone in need. And what they started doing, they were like, yo, instead of Saturday, since the Shabbat is not a rule anymore, and Jesus proved himself that he is the fulfillment of the covenant, they would get together on Sunday because that's the day Jesus rose. And they would party. They would get together on Sunday and they'd be like, he rose on this day, like three weeks ago, like three years ago. And they would sing and they would dance and they'd be like, you hungry? You need some food? How do we help you? And then they would talk about God's word and they would talk about the rhythms and they'd be like, all right, go give it your all the next six days. I'll see you at the next party on Sunday. Why we gather on Sunday is because we are still celebrating that Jesus rose from the grave on a Sunday. This is the only party in humanity that has lasted 2000 years. That's why we gather on Sunday. Y'all didn't know that. I can tell. Y'all didn't know every Sunday you are invited to a party where we celebrate that that wasn't the end of his story. He rose from the grave and we should come in here and be like, oh, my God. I don't have to be afraid of death. I don't have to be afraid of anything. And I don't even have to work myself to the bone to get God's love or to make it through this life because God loves me so much that he died on the cross for me, that he rose from the grave for me, and he loves me so much, he even wants me to rest. So what does your rest look like this year? I'd highly encourage, some of you are here today because this is your day of rest. Praise God. Come hang out with us for an hour, hour and a half. You can even serve and it still be a day of rest. It's an hour like, but here's what I would ask you. Are you doing something that is redemptive, that is restorative to you, that is rejuvenating? Some of you, if I said, hey, just cuddle up with a book in the corner and a cup of coffee all day, you'd be like, Yes, Lord, right? Some of you if I said cuddle up with a book and a cup of coffee all day, that would be your hell. <laughs> you know what some of you need to do? You need to cuddle up with a book and a cup of coffee all day. You know what some of you need to do? You need to get on the boat. You know what some of you need to do? You need to play around a round of golf. You know what some of you need to do? You need to just go hang out and play board games with your kids. You know what? You need to figure out what is redemptive and restorative and rejuvenating for you but bring God into it. It's not a true Sabbath unless you reflect and remember. That salvation is not by works alone or by works at all, but by the very hand of God. I can rest because he takes care of me. It reminds me, I told you guys, I made the mistake in ministry of just going too hard too long. I I was uh, out of college, 22, immediately started working for a church in Florida, helping them plant. And then that led to pastoring down in South America. And that led to planting a church in Miami. And that led to helping a church plant in New York City. Man, I was just go, 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 go. And um, I'll never forget, I was 25 years old, and I had a break in between when I helped that last church plant and when the next opportunity started. And I'd been through a lot too in, the, in those like three years, but God did a lot. And um, I remember I was at my home, and I was planning a backpacking trip across Europe with my brother. I had a few months before my next opportunity started. And my brother had just graduated from college, so we were like, High school dream. Let's go backpack Europe. Yeah, saved up. And I'm excited. So I'm home and we're supposed to leave in like three, four weeks. And, and all of a sudden I go and play golf with my dad. And then the next day I, I wake up and I can't breathe. I'm going. Uh, 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 and I'm kind of and my side hurts so bad. And uh, my parents take me to the urgent care and the urgent care doctor was like, you have the flu and a pulled muscle. I was like, don't feel like it, Doc. He was like, take these, med- these meds, you'll be fine. So I go and serve at this conference called Passion in Atlanta. Just show up, not paid, just like, hey, I'm here. How can I help? Thousands and thousands of college students filled the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and I was just there driving people around on my own dime because I think that's what you do when you got time. You just serve the church. And uh, But like day three, my cough, like I had never felt that sick in my life, and it was one of the coldest winters in Atlanta. And so I ended up having to tap out at day three and I drove myself back to Florida. And that night I woke up and I could not breathe. I was literally going. Uh, uh, uh. And I, I rolled out of my bed, the guest bedroom in my parents' house, and I army crawled to their door at like 3 a.m. going. Uh, uh, uh. Like everything was contracting in me. And I remember I knocked on the door. My dad answered the door looking forward and I was like, I know you here. And he looked at me like, what? You're a grown man. You having nightmares? Like, what's going on? And I look at him and go, I can't breathe. And he picked me up and they rushed me to the ER. They did some tests and turns out I had one of the worst cases of pneumonia the hospital had ever seen. And so I, tell the, I talk to the doctor and I'm just like, hey, what do I got to do? I'm supposed to be in Europe in two weeks. And they were like, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, no, 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 I can't. He's like, well, here's what you need to do. Take these meds, come back in a week. We'll we'll see what happens. So I take the meds and I'm feeling so much better. Like it's still tight, it still hurts, but I'm like, I'm moving, I'm walking, the cough isn't bad. I'm like, Europe, here we come. And I get there and they take an X-ray of my chest. And when they get the X-ray back, they immediately rush me to the ER. Because you can see it, on your left side is my right lung. That's the way a lung's supposed to look. On your right, my left is the way my left lung looked. Only 15% lung capacity. The pneumonia had turned, to what, turned into what's called a pulmonary effusion, which is when it gelatinates and takes up space in the lung and becomes hard. And they looked at me and they said, Corey, you could die. Your lung could collapse. They're like, I don't know how you're walking. And so they said, you gotta do, we're gonna do one surgery where we're gonna stick like a foot long needle into your back and try and draw that stuff out. You gotta be awake for it. Great. And if that doesn't work, guess what? It didn't. We gotta put you under doing evasive surgery where there is a percentage chance that it could not work, but we'll go in with a camera and a scalpel and scrape everything we can out through from your lung. And I was still like, great, what's the recovery time? Cause I'm supposed to be in Europe in two weeks. And he was just like, no, Corey, this is gonna take at least a month to six weeks for you to even partially recover. And I just looked at him and I felt like my heart broke and I was like, why did this happen to me, doctor? I'm 25, I play sports, I work out, I eat relatively right. Like, Why Why did this happen? And he goes, "Well, tell me about your life. I, start, I got excited. I started telling him about ministry and I was telling him about all I did in Peru and Miami. And he's like, tell me about a regular week, and I started telling him about my week and I tell him about relational stuff I was dealing with and family stuff. And, da, da, da. and he laughed at me. And I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "Oh, Corey, you wouldn't take a break so your body did. He goes, This is stress induced pneumonia. Your body is literally saying, Stop, or you'll die. And he goes, How do you handle your stress? And I was like, I don't know. I just shove it deep down, right? And he's like, Obviously. Because if you don't take a break, you will break. It made me think of that verse that we all know in church Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. For the first time after that surgery, I have a picture. I don't know if he put it up there with me after the surgery, but I remember laying in that bed and uh, I thought of that verse and I read it in a new way. I never saw the violence in that verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He's a good shepherd. And if you won't rest, he will make you. Your body in and of itself needs it. If your car needs an oil change, if your iPhone needs to be turned off every now and then, how much more do we? But what's so good about the act of faith that is rest, it's like when we work out. When you work out, you'll do chest and arms one day, and then the next day you'll do like legs and back. At least that's the way we used to do it. Why? because you want to rest your muscles for a day because when you work out, they tear. And when you rest, they develop. I almost called this message, "arrested development. (laughs) Thank you that that worked. So grateful. But with all that being said, Central, I really do pray that as we rev up, we got seasons where we're going to go hard. This city's going to change, look more and more like heaven as a result of Central here being in 2023, amen. Like, we're going to work. Jesus worked. But I would just implore you today, before we get too far into the year, look at your year, look at your months, even look at your vacations. Some of us are bad stewards of our vacations because we come back from our vacations more exhausted than when we left. Anybody ever done that? We're going to take the kids to Disney and get a rest. No, you're not. No, you're not. I had a pastor one day call me out on that. I came back from a vacation and, and, and I was exhausted. And he goes, well, you were a poor steward of that time. He goes, when you come back, I need you ready to run. You got to rest. Hey, explore, do whatever. Maybe take the last day. Uh, here, here's a trick I learned a while back. I'm going long, but who cares? Um, <laughs> the kids ministry is like, we do. Okay, I'm on a wrap. I learned, like, I used to travel. I still travel a lot. And I would like go to these third world countries or the developing countries, and I would like be in the cars and be in the rough roads and be in the meetings and dealing with translators and just go, 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 go. And I'd come back and I'd be just exhausted. And it's like, well, the church is paying for this. So I got to give it my all and I got to do everything I can. And I wouldn't treat it like a regular work day. I mean, it's sun up to sun down and go, 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 go. And then I had a buddy that kind of, he runs a ministry called God Behind Bars. His name's Jake Bodine. He's the CEO, incredible ministry, bringing um, church into prisons. And he traveled almost as much as me, if not more in some years, but all domestically. And he's, got a, he's my age, he's a couple years younger, but he's got a wife and five kids. And one day his wife told him, hey, 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 instead of coming back exhausted from these work trips, will you just, if it's more than three or four days, will you just take one more day, do something that rejuvenates you so that when you come back, you're all hands on deck, ready to go with me? And he started deploying that, and he told me about that. And he was like, when you can, on your dime, if it's a work trip three or four days and it's exhausting, take a half day, take a day and do something that reinvigorates you, that rejuvenates you. So that way, when you come home, you can be all in, ready to be here. How are we stewarding even our rest and time away? If we will invite Jesus into it, ooh, it can be a righteous rhythm. So with all that being said, I would just ask that this year you rest a little. Maybe even today you get intentional with your afternoon and go, man, I was going to, I don't know what we do in the winter here. I was going to say take care of the yard, but no one really does that. What do you do in the winter here? I don't know. I was going to wash the dishes and do all that. Maybe just rest. We're going to sing one more song, so can I invite everybody to stand up? And I love the lyrics of this song we're about to sing because it basically says, God, nothing else will do. And there's this great line where it says like, I'm not gonna go through the motions anymore. I'm not just gonna come to church because it's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not just gonna put on the clothes and the cologne and say the words because it's what's supposed to happen. I'm actually going to rest and be in your presence. So Jesus, right now, as we sing this last song, God, I pray that it would be a filter for our souls, that you would help us see where maybe some of us need to deploy that righteous word, no. We need to just go, no. I'm going to be with the Lord today. I'm going to be with my family today. I'm going to be with God's people today. And I'm going to rest in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray.